Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Andy. Hi, I'm Letty. And you're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. That's right, everyone. You're listening to Tax Wrap, episode 47 this week, I believe. It's either 47 or 48. <laughs> It'd be good if we knew. We'll check out the post and we'll make sure to, to communicate the right one. My name is Nathan Hewitt and we're joined by Alicia and Andy. How are we, guys? Good, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. That's good. Now, the tax office this week has announced it will look at payment data belonging to 10,000 to 15,000 Uber drivers. Essentially, they'll be looking into bank accounts and will ask Uber for data for the 2014-15 income year to identify drivers who aren't registered for GST and those who aren't meeting their obligations, so their GST-related obligations. Mm-hmm. To me, this seems pretty scary. If I was an Uber driver, uh, what are my options, basically? I mean, what, what are we looking at here? Yeah, well, no, if there isn't many options, I think, for those Uber drivers, um, basically the tax office is saying you, it's your time now, you have to go and comply. Um, you know, a while back, back in May, the tax office did come out with information telling people, Uber drivers particularly, that they would need to register for GST. Uh, Uber drivers are considered to be conduct, to conducting a taxi service and so therefore um, the $75,000 turnover threshold for, for GST purposes, which requires you to register, no longer applies. Um, so from the first dollar that you make, uh, you're required to register for GST and to charge GST on those uh, those essentially those taxi services. Uh, I do know that you're a frequenter of, of uh, Uber, Nathan, so, and you can attest to how good good they can be. So... Those drivers, you better every time you catch an Uber knife, you better tell them that they better start complying now. I actually think I will because the Uber service is really good, and if I can help them out in any way, I mean they do. They're, the service is quite good, and they're nice guys generally speaking, so that's good. I guess my question is, if you've been an Uber driver for say eighteen months, and and this was sort of before the tax office even got wind that ride sharing was even a thing. What happens then? So if they've sort of said a couple of months ago now that that ride sharers are the same as taxi drivers for tax purposes and they'll have to register for GST. How do you back pay that liability? What happens there? Oh, that's a good question, Nafa. I think, I mean, f- there, there is a requirement. They, they will probably need to go back and register from, from day dot, from when they first started really? providing those those services, notwithstanding that the position for quite a period of time has been unclear. The tax officer's position was that what they will be in terms of their data matching is they will be going back to the 2014 income year. So they're looking at three income years to, to obtain this data, 2014, 2015 and 2016. So so they're the main income years that, uh, you know, that the tax office will be looking at. I know Uber was established, I think, back in 2009 overseas. And so it's got, got win here basically the last two to three years and that's why it's taken off. So in terms of the actual risk, there are risks there that those Uber drivers will need to go back and register and ensure that they're compliant. So, and then have to, you know, take on the onerous task of making sure their paperwork's all all good going forward as well. But it's going to be quite interesting, though, Andy, as well as a test case. I think because a lot of times it's like legislation by press release. Sometimes, so mm-hmm. you know, when it was a grey area, as you said, you know, maybe it should be from the from the date that the ATO said, no, you're definitely a taxi service. So it'll be interesting to see if some of the Uber drivers have taken that date as being the date they need to be registered and clean up their bass up to that, you know, from that date, Nathan, then going all the way back. So it'll be really interesting. And given that it was unclear, I'd be very um, surprised if there'd be any penalties associated with it because the ATO are, are pretty fair on those sort of things in terms of a force enforcing the law when, when it is a grey area. Yeah, and no, it's something I would say I would agree 
with Viva Lisa because you know it's it's something relatively new. We we found out you know like it's an you know particularly for each state it is unregulated. We heard recently that in Canberra they've properly regulated it. That's right. Yeah. But now sort of in terms of where do we go to from here? There's there's a clearer picture, but in terms of how it actually works and operates, um, the tax office has got a clear position. Obviously, we don't know how it's all going to unfold with. Um, with Uber taking it to court as well in terms of, you know, challenging the commissioner's position as well. And I think Uber's stance in this is uh, to protect its interests very much so because I would imagine that there are a lot of Uber drivers out there that once they found out that they had to register for GST no matter what, that they think mm, suddenly this, you know, weekend second source of income is probably not worth it for me. I'm not going to bother going through all the rigmarole of mm. having a bass and registering for GST and doing all that sort of stuff. It was just a, a way to make... You know, a little bit of extra cash on the side. So I imagine that a lot of Uber drivers will think, you know, if there's penalties involved now, if the tax force is really serious about getting its due with this thing, um, because before that it was sort of just theoretical. I mean, you know, ride sharing, you know, it's it's the same as taxi driving. You have to register for GST, and they thought, well, you know, for the last couple of months, you know, I pretty much get that income scot free in terms of GST, and now it's looking like well, we're going to have to go back. You know, I, I imagine there'd be a lot of Uber drivers that are going to exit the game which is not good for uber really mm. so that that's an implication that we're looking at in the next couple of months and we'll see how that goes my next question is uh, how much i mean you don't have to know exact numbers because that would mm. probably be impossible but i guess we could sort of if we could speculate how much of the gst pie we're we looking at increasing by adding all these taxi drivers quote unquote that didn't exist before yeah, it's, uh, that's the you know sixty four dollar question. I mean, I I wouldn't have an idea of how big the Uber market is here. I don't even have an idea of how much big the taxi market mm, is is really. But um, I mean, the way that I'm thinking of it is, I mean, they, they seem to be there seems to be all these checks and balances and regulations on all this disruptive technology, if you know what I mean um, mm. by that, Nathan. And, um, you know, like Bitcoin, I've heard on the radio that, you know, Bitco- anyone who's harvesting Bitcoin can't have a bank account in any of the big four banks. Mm. And I'm going, oh, yeah, they're saying they're money laundering, which sort of, sort of seems fair, but, you know, is there a conspiracy theory? So it's the same for me with these Uber drivers. Are they basically saying, hang on, I get money from issuing a taxi licence, wherever, I think that's... I think that's, is that federal-based or state-based? I'm not state-based. Sure. Yeah, it's state-based. So it's one of those other revenue sources, you know, so they're going, okay, does that going to diminish the value of that taxi licence now? So I'm going to lose resource from that, so I'll make it back on the GST. So yeah. I don't know. I'm a bit cynical on it, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think the other thing as well, Nathan, is that, you know, we talked about this previously as well, is that is there, you know, parity for those, for example, if I was an air task, I wouldn't have to be uh, subject to these GST requirements because yeah. I'm not making that $75,000 turnover. However, if I'm a Uber driver, um, I'll need to do it from day dot. So there is a question of parity as well and fairness to to all those who are using this uh, sharing economy, and it is something that you know obviously the law has failed to catch up with. You know, it's just moving at such a rapid rate, and with you know the PM really into innovation, <laughs> you know, it does pose some some problems down the track. If you know uh, from from a taxing viewpoint, of course, and also a regulatory viewpoint. Yeah, and it sort of points to the the kind of strained relationship. Well, sometimes it can be hard to draw the bridge between a legal definition of something and a tax definition of something. That's something that I first learned coming to Taxpayers Australia. It's it's funny that the you know the tax what the taxman says you have to pay is completely different from you know anything in the legal world. Really, I mean, your your job can be illegal, which I guess Uber technically is in Melbourne, um, which is something that I think people have talked about. I mean, you don't have a taxi license. That that whole thing that was mm. a big argument. 
you know, but they still want their tax due. And I kind of see how the tax office is stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think what they've done probably seems to be fair. I mean, it kind of goes against the whole, the, the kind of the very driving point behind Uber, that being a disruptive economy, anyone can jump in and have a go mm. and jump out whenever mm. they want to. That's pretty much the, the, the kind of um, age that we're in. So it'll be interesting to see how it evolves in the coming months. In fact, the, the coming years, I guess it'll take that long to take shape. Now, the next topic, uh, something that I'm... I found it hard to get across because <laughs> I'm not sure anyone out there who's 100% across it, but the tax summit, which is something that happened uh, last week, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, uh, what's the deal here? Yeah, ba- basically, um, Mr Turnbull convened um, convened some... Uh, some 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 associations, some parties to a economic slash tax summit, and he brought out a couple of uh, ideas. Or he basically said that you know everything is back on the table. So previously, uh, under the coalition government, under the Abbott government, there were there was talk, for example, that uh, super was off the table. You know we weren't going to touch super, notwithstanding that there was a lot of uh, feedback in the tax reform process, the uh, rethink tax white paper process, saying that you know perhaps the concessions for super are a little bit too generous or are there ways that we can reform super? So what uh, Mr Turnbull's come out with and said, well, super's back on the table and he's spoken to a number of different uh, parties and stakeholders and it looks like everything is back on the table in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. And um, so what we've done in the um, the super e-news that we sent out yesterday is we sort of refreshed that and got everyone back thinking about super and what um, we basically recommended in our rethink submission from our members um, and uh, asked for people's general views. And I'm pleased to say we're starting to get some responses back in. So Fantastic. I think it is um, I think it is a very hot topic. And I think it's really hitting the demographic of people that would like to um, write in. I think you just got some data from your session this morning as well, Andy, on the number of individual um, taxpayers who put in a submission to the Rethink paper. Yeah, and I think it was roughly about 60% um, who are older than 49 years of age who had responded to um, the tax reform um, or the tax Rethink paper. And... Lisa said to me, maybe, maybe perhaps they had a little bit more spare time. Or Don't perhaps- say that. My dad will tell me off. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps, you know, younger... All the question is, are younger people as interested in tax as they should be? So mm, that's that's, yeah. a, that's a question that, you know... That's the, yeah, that's the question. It's for... I always used to say that it was for money when I'm sort of dead and now I'm thinking I'm getting closer to there. I really need to worry about my super now. Yeah. But I think that, you know, in that point, there's going to be a lot of talk about you know, it's keeping the tax-free status of when you pull it out. So it'll be interesting to see where that bias, you know, lies. Because, you know, for... For the younger people that are still putting money into super, it then says, well, should I still be able to get that concession? Should I be able to put lump sums in? Or should it be taxed at that magical $75,000 mark, which seems to get bandied around as well? So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, the, the, the summit was a bit of a, a pseudo summit or something like that. Yes. It was very, very hastily put together, I think, to make sure that... Um, Prime Minister Turnbull, the ex-communications minister, is communicating effectively, if I can put it that way. Look, for it, it seems to be the case that he is, but, I mean, you know, I'll watch with bated breath to see how it goes from here. If I can ask, if I can probe you guys to take mm. a, a bit of a stab in the dark, mm-hmm. um, lots of rich people sort of went, oh, good, they're not touching super, fantastic, mm-hmm. this can be a good thing for us. Now that everything's back on the table again, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I think that most people want certainty regarding their 
retirement savings because you've got two things to be worried about when you retire. I think it's sort of your health and if you've got enough money to pay for it if you do get sick and that sort of thing. So I think that it's the lack of certainty that's probably scaring people at the moment, what that change will be. And I'm quite sure that, you know, the views are still all over the shot. As I said before, it's not saying, is it on contributions going in or is it pulling your money out? So people are really, really unsure. And I think what's added to it is the self-funded retirees, you know, with the stock market where it is, you know, they've lost, you know, there's billions of dollars lost off the stock market. The bread and butter shares of um, mining and banks you know, are not going as well. Um, they're relying on their dividends and all that that growth to fund themselves. Mm. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there and I think that's what's scaring people at the moment. Yeah, and I think in, in co- that's in combination as well with an ageing population. You know, mm. we've looked at the intergenerational report and so it comes back to a question of sustainability as well. And so that's why whilst we are talking about super, you know, they're we've always maintained that there needs to be structural reform on a holistic level to ensure that, um, you know, um, we, we get enough uh, tax revenue or we to, to be able to, to fund for all those things that, that we actually want as a, as a country. And that comes down to as well as like all the all the three-word slogans that are get bandied around that fit very nice into a 140-character Twitter feed, Andy, which is, um, you know, it's basically... I've forgotten what I was going to say. I guess the... <laughs> The, um, the scope for super reform is more not making sure the, the heavy hitters and the rich people don't get too much. It's making sure that the average people have enough. Basically, yeah. I guess that's what they're getting at, really. Yeah, I think it, there's a lot of things to do with the tax system. You know, there's the, the three pillars, you know, fairness, equity and simplicity. And so the question that arises in this particular case with super concessions is are they too generous? Is it fair for those, you know, you might have self-funded retirees, what about those on the bottom end? So so that's, they're the sorts of questions that, you know, you, you need to talk about when you're talking about tax reform is is it fair? So, and uh, I was just going going through a tweet, you know, right now that we, we tweeted and, you know, one of the other things that uh, the Prime Minister also mentioned was, you know, that crowding crowdfunding for startups and, and tax break for angel investors is also on the agenda, mm-hmm. according to, to Mr Pine. So, um, and, and that's something that's good to hear, you know, like there's a lot of, you know, if you want to be innovative, then the law needs to catch up, as we spoke about with Uber yeah. drivers a yeah. little bit earlier, yeah. that the law needs to be able to catch up and, and provide that certainty to investors. Yeah, exactly, and that sort of fit nicely with the um, article coming out in the next taxpayer as well, Andy, on startup companies that Letty's written. So we're sort of trying to give everyone the background of what they need to think about, but it's going to be quite interesting to make crowdfunding, let's say, legal so everyone can use it, and also there'll, there'll be tax breaks like the entrepreneurial offset maybe is what, what Turnbull's thinking of um, with angel investors because in this country of Australia where we don't have as big a population as, say, the US, um, it's a lot hard to get that sort of angel funding up and running. So I think that's um, an interesting initiative to incentivise people to part with their savings and invest in small business and start-up, the engine room of the economy. Well, it's time for this week's tax tip, brought to you by the tax specialists of Taxpayers Australia. It's getting close to the first pay-as-you-go instalment for the 2015-16 financial year. If you haven't lodged your 2014-15 tax return, you won't have received your new instalment rate. So if your business isn't as going as well this year as it was last year, you may want to consider reducing the amount you pay with your next BAS. And that's our tip from the tax specialists to you. Tune Tune in, sorry, next week on episode 48, I believe. And uh, thanks for joining us this week. See ya.